Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Saints, another loss. Back-to-back defeats now going down to uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. 31-24, Thursday night football. And... uh, there was hope in this one after a really dismal start. Finally, the engine, I guess, got revved up at the end, and then things literally just fall through your hands. Yeah, I don't even know if you said the name of the podcast is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Uh, we're all we're all out of sorts. It's Friday. This is a post game pod. Uh, I hope I said it. We're gonna get into it, but yeah, I mean, remember two and zero? Remember how long ago? Like two and zero was like a month ago. <laughs> it feels like 10 years at this point. Um, yeah, two and I was like last season. But yeah, so th- that is the weird thing about this game. In another in another universe, you'd be like, man, what a comeback, right? You know, 15 points in the fourth quarter. They they executed and executed until they didn't. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think we're gonna change this up a little bit from our normal, our normal, you know, three up, three down kind of thing. 
I think the first segment, I, th- I think the best way to go about this is say segment one, what didn't work? We're going to go through everything that failed, everything that did not go well. We're going to hear from Dennis Allen talk today on a conference call. He talked about Chris Olave. He talked about a lot of that. So we'll get into it. Uh, the second segment, we're going to talk about what did work because there were some things that went well, but even those were tinged with bad stuff, right? So when I say what did work, it's like only in the sense of, okay, what actually you know spurred that comeback and how can you replace all the bad stuff with that? So we're going to talk into that and then we're going to get into a mailbag in the final segment. So if you're watching and you want to complain, please do it. I'm sure there will be a lot of comments and we're going to get through as many as possible. I'm not going to try to try to spin this in any positive way. There's not a lot of positives that you can pull out of it, but I do think that there are some suggestions. There are some changes that have become pretty apparent uh, that we can kind of get into. And that's kind of when I say what did work, that's kind of, I think you can identify some things that you can make adjustments to that hopefully can get some of this just terribleness out of the way. But first things first, you know, one thing that didn't work were Foster Morrow's hands at the end of the game. And, you know, and I say that in partially in jest, but, you know, it's rough. There are certain guys, you know, if, if it was Chris Olave who, who had that chance to make the catch and, and it bounced off his hands and there's a lot of, a lot of criticism being levied at Chris Olave anyway. And he's not a guy that you would say, okay, he's definitely doing everything the right way. And so, you know, you, there would be, there'd be anger pointed at him, right? With, with Foster, it's like, you, you just feel bad for him. You wanted that moment for him so badly. He does everything right. He gets none of the praise and you can see, you could hear it on the, from his teammates. You know, I talked to Eric McCoy after the game, we can listen to that audio. It's like, he was getting emotional for his teammate because you know yeah you could see on his face foster you know i'm gonna play the his his post-game interview here was only about 90 seconds long but i don't know if i've ever want to give just give someone a hug more than than foster um and you know he screwed up he knows he screwed up but gosh it's just it should have never come to that i think that's kind of where i'm at with it it's like he's gonna he's gonna beat himself up relentlessly over that play. And, you know, this is a game that Saints should have won by double digits. I think, you know, when you see the way it started in terms of those two turnovers there, the Jaguars were begging, begging the saints to take control of that game. And they just they definitely were right. Please take it. They refused to do it. And, you know, like I think there's going to be, you know, what I hope is that the saints don't fool themselves into thinking, Oh, we figured something out in the second half. So that, so nothing has to change. No, 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 no. We're going to get into it. I actually think how things got going is more of an indictment on the, the current state of the offense than anything else. Uh, And like, you can pull stuff out of it. You can say like, we're going to do some stuff differently, but you know, one of the reasons it worked was because you eliminated Pete Carmichael from the equation uh, to to a strong extent, and that's ouch, right? But yeah, here let's let's listen to Foster, and you can. I mean, if you are on the fence about whether whether you know this is something that you should be like, oh yeah, let's trash Foster, let's get Foster out of the building. Let, he, let, listen uh, to him. No, I don't. Yeah, I just mean that. Have your teammates have your your back like that after after that moment. Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's, um, you know, in front of every man, woman, and child I've ever, I've ever known, you know, um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a dark place to be. It's the National Football League. Um, 
it doesn't come down to one play, but it comes down to one play. Um, the team fought. The team fought as hard as, as we did, and um, it's just unacceptable. How, how difficult would it possibly because it didn't look like necessarily a routine play, but no, it's they pass to do a job. It's like it's it's routine. It was it was the right throw, it was the right read. I I ran a little short on the route. I kind of I I thought it, I I thought something different, and I, that's a short week. That's a um, lack of focus, lack of concentration. Just, um, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. How close do you feel that you guys are to the breakthrough? Because you're, you're, you've been pretty close the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll keep it short. I don't, I don't know if anyone within 200 miles of this place wants to hear my voice right now. But um, these guys are fighters, man. They're resilient. This is, a, this is, a, this is the right team. And um, we need to take our opportunities. It's uh, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the way I kind of react to that, and it's like if you don't get, I mean, if you don't register the the level of emotion there, and how much, how much that hurt him to have that moment. And, and have that chance and not be able to do it for, for his hometown, for his fans, for, for everyone watching, who's such a big foster moral fan. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but all I can say, you know, and I was on with the Dave Cohen this morning and we kind of talked about this. It's like, yeah, he screwed up. He knows he screwed up. He's got to make that catch. That's, you know, Alvin basically said that Alvin is always going to be blunt. It's like, yeah, he knows he should have made that. He's a professional to me. It's like, if everyone on this team, cared as much as Foster Morrow cares about this team being successful and this team being successful for its fans, this would be a more successful team. Cause I don't think you get that level of, of ownership for the result from everybody on this team. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, that that's, that, that kind of like emotion is something they can rally around and this team can rally around and be like, you know what, we have to be better because we, we should care that much. And it's just, I, you know, I just feel bad for the guy and it sucks. You know, should it have even been him in that situation? You would have loved for that to be Joan Johnson or you would have loved for that. I don't know. Where the hell is Jimmy Graham? Is it, why is he even on this team? He's got two targets this season. You, you finished the last two games with eight unsuccessful heaves to the end zone. When you're throwing these, you're throwing these low percentage fades to the end zone. And you have a six, seven guy who's literally here for that purpose. And he's not even on the field. Makes no sense. None of this offense makes sense. Uh, the way the way it's been attacked, the way it's been the way it's been run. At least you know. I actually think early in the season, you 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 were able to get some things done offensively, and it seems like it's gone backwards. It's actually gotten worse week to week to week. And the first half of this game was one of the worst offensive showings I've seen from this team. And it's like, you know, it's not baby steps. It's not it's not growing pains. It's a problem. And, you know, I, I think this is a 10 day stretch where uh, you better you better look yourself in the mirror and be honest about where this team is or is this not going to get better if you don't if you don't make serious changes to to how you're approaching this offense. I, I thought it was kind of funny that Derek Carr was apologizing for showing his emotion too much 
And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's a problem at all. I disagree with that. It's, it's not about showing your emotion. It's about throwing a temper tantrum because that is what he has done the last two weeks. It's well, not, I mean, his wide receiver, I guess, is driving him up the wall. <laughs> oh, I understand that. I understand that. And I think there's a serious rift forming between Chris Olave and Derek Carr that is becoming problematic. If you cannot wrangle that situation and, and find a way to, to have an accord between quarterback and receiver, uh, it's going to be a problem. It's already a problem. Um, but I disagree with the idea that there's nothing wrong with how Carr, how Derek Carr is a is is throwing temper tantrums on the sideline of these games because that's what they are. It is not healthy criticism. It is not, you know, standing in a room and, and demanding accountability. It's a temper tantrum because something didn't go right. And and Chris Olave is at fault there. DA even said that on the conference call today. You know, that route is supposed to be kind of a, you know, you, you're getting one-on-one. You're going to go. It's a go. And Derek Carr wanted to take a shot to him, but he stopped running. And so what, the reason it went out of bounds is he threw it away. He threw the ball away. It wasn't like he threw the ball to where Chris was supposed to be and he just didn't go get it. It was an uncatchable ball because he threw it out of bounds because Chris didn't run the route. And so, you know, yeah, I, I disagree with the idea that that's okay, that, that the quarterback coming off the field. Because it wasn't like he came off and he took Chris aside and he said, hey, like, this can't fly. This, this cannot happen. And, you know, probably, sure, he is fed up, I bet. But, you know, you got to be more mature than that because, I mean, that's just going to be another thing that people look at and be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Uh, like last I, week I, just, was- I guess I understood it too much of it bubbling over because I was I think a lot of people are at that point. You know, you look at I'm sure fans feel that way. I mean, I understand the frustration bubbling over, too, but right. At I, I that guess point- I, right. As the quarterback, you, you don't want him to be. I don't want to say out of control with his emotions. Have you, did you look this way? Did you ever see Drew Brees do that to his receiver? Have you, do you remember seeing that? No, I've never. No, definitely not. Right. Like Peyton Manning used to used to get used to ream out his receivers, but like he would do it. Like he wasn't screaming at them coming off the field. He would do it on the sideline. He would say, "You effed up, and you need to do this better." It's like I don't know. It's just not a good look and. This offense just has so many negative vibes about it right now that, you know, you look at it and you say, how can this get better? And uh, does, does Chris Olave seem like a guy that uh, believes in his quarterback right now? No, but uh, the quarterback's still targeting him and trying to get him involved, I think. I mean, it's not like right. he's – and still there, there just can't be that – I don't know. I don't know what the, the discord is between them, honestly. Is it, well, if this was a one-time he thing. more? Yeah. <laughs> is that, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. You got 15 targets in that game. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and they weren't all good. You know, there was a couple that Derek left behind him. Like, Derek, had to, Derek didn't have a good game. I don't care what the what the yardage says. Um, at least, especially not in the first half. I think he found a rhythm in the second half, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, I, I think, you know, you talk about benching Trevor Penning. Talk about accountability. And it, I think that the only reason Chris Olave is on the field right now is because he is this mega ultra talented player that you spent so many assets to go get. Otherwise, he would be sitting right next to Trevor. Because I think for the same reasons you're you're sitting Trevor down, <laughs> I mean, 
he was he was the golden goose or whatever you want to call it in training camp. You know, we saw the light shining down and we were all in awe of what could could be Chris Olave. And, you know, it was like that was another guy buying in for for fantasy that I mean, he's been productive, obviously still getting uh, decent numbers. But I mean, I just don't understand with even the cast around him and guys like, you know, an Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, how how he could be so immature about is it is it really the lack of targets and his lack of involvement because i can't believe that like you're saying with all the targets he just had this past game no and it's uh, you know da will say consistency and we have we have da talking about a lava here so let's listen so, to that. so is it just a thing with a rift between him and Carr? i don't know but it's <laughs> it's very clear that the things aren't things aren't going well and and part of that's on car obviously but yeah, like and, and like you said, you can understand the frustration because, you know, if if this stuff kind of happened and then you corrected it and it stopped happening, it seems like it's just week after week after week. But this is what Dennis Allen had to say uh, about Chris Olave uh, when he was asked today, not not after the game, today on the conference call. Dennis, what is your impression of where Chris Olave is at in his development? Since that 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 one play was obviously heavily scrutinized, but a few things have been scrutinized with him uh, from the outside looking in. I guess. Yeah. Look, I I think. I think there's a lot of good things that I see him doing. And 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 I would say, I keep coming back to this, I just think it's the inconsistency with which we are operating. Um, you know, there's obvious, um, you know, shots of guys that are doing it right. And when they do, it looks really good. It's efficient. It's effective. Um, and then there's plays where, you know, it's not efficient and effective, and it's not being done exactly the way that we need it to be done. And and um, and so that's that's what has to that's what has to be cleaned up. Is it unusual to see this happening in a player's second year, or were there elements of this that had to be managed during the? Yeah, I think when you're dealing with with uh, you know, young players. I mean, I, I think you do see inconsistency, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that's something that we have to continue to work to work on. I think that's something that that he has to continue to work on, and a lot of our guys have to continue to work on. Um, you know, and it's hard to be the same guy every single day in a seventeen game season. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to bring your A game every day, but. That's the expectation, and that's the standard that we have to have. Sorry, I was going to say, sorry to harp on this, but when you mention inconsistency from Olave, do you specifically mean not finishing out his routes? Like, is that the recurring problem? I, I, I mean, there's there's inconsistencies in, um, you know, what we're doing as a team. Dennis, where, does, where, where do you guys identify that coaching fits into that? Uh, obviously, I mean, you try to toe the line between – yeah, I think um, I think both aspects have to be there. Um, you know, I think there's there's some points in time where you know you have to be willing to you know encourage and and pat them on the back, and 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 there's sometimes where you have to stick them somewhere else, um, and and that that's part of what coaching is. And so if we're not getting the consistency that we need, 
you know, there's a, there's a coaching aspect to that. And, um, and it starts with me. So I've got to do a better job with our football team of um, making sure that they understand, you know, how we have to play if we're going to have success. Dennis, what Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, and so I think that that final point there is important is coaching does play a role in this. And, you know, whether it's about Derek Carr being better, because he's got to be better, um, whether it's about Chris finishing his routes, you know, like he, it's it's something's not clicking here. Uh, and, you know, one thing that that I thought was interesting, and I didn't even find out about this until today because I didn't watch the game on the broadcast, obviously, is uh, Dennis Allen came out after halftime. He said Ronald Curry stood up in the locker room at halftime and made a halftime speech to the team. And uh, this is this is what he had to say about that. Watching the spam, um, what did you sort of... Um... That's the wrong file. Anyway, he said basically that... I don't have the clip, so I'm just going to talk about it. He said basically that like Ronald Curry just stood up and said, hey, we, got all, we all got to do our jobs. You know, and... <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people over the next 10 days saying, make Ronald Curry the play caller. And I'm one of them. You know, and, and like I've been pretty... I don't want to say lenient, but I've been pretty vocal that like P. Carmichael isn't the biggest issue with this offense. There's a lot of issues with this offense. At a certain point, changes have to be made because it's just not working and you have to find a new combination. Now, a lot of people are going to say fire Pete Carmichael. I don't think that you do have to fire Pete Carmichael. I think you just have to switch roles. I think what Pete Carmichael does well is game plan and work in the background. You know, we're talking about the tempo offense. You know, DA was like, yeah, a lot of the calls are happening at the line, but there's constant communication between Pete and, and Derek. He can still do that whether he's calling the plays or not. Um, and, you know, I just think it's not, it's not working. It's not working. And uh, this, the, <laughs> you'd be crazy. You'd be crazy to let this season just pilot itself directly into the ground <laughs> without making real changes. And you have a, a 10 day window here with a little bit of extra time that you could sit back and and honestly make assessments and make adjustments uh, where that would be a lot more difficult to make in a normal week. And you're not waiting till the bye. You can't. Uh, so I, th- I think it has to happen. I think you have to, you have to make, even if they're nominal changes, even if it's, it's just, you know, just a way to, to prove you're serious about yourself, right? <laughs> to, to prove you're a serious franchise and serious about winning, serious about competing. Uh, I don't want to hear anymore how they're only a half game out in the division or a game out in the division. It's a bad division. I don't I mean, care. It, it might be a case where they just want they want to stick with their leaders 
and they're not going to have any kind of, you know, overthrow of power, however you want to look at it, going on this season. And, 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 and like, I, I don't see them saying, oh, Pete's giving up play calling duties, honestly. I, I, do. I don't I don't believe it'll happen. I think it will. Personally, I think it will. I don't know if it's going to happen this week, but I think it will because I think it has to. I think you have to do something. Again, you have to prove you're a serious franchise. You have to do something to prove to your fans that you're serious about winning and that what's happened is unacceptable. And that if you are not getting the job done, like we have heard, Dennis, we have heard Mickey, we have heard multiple people say this. If you are not getting the job done, we are going to find someone who can get the job done. Well, are those just words? Are you just saying that? Or do you mean it? Well, well, from what I'm hearing then from everyone else, though, then that means Chris Olave needs to sit the bench. I think he does. If, if he can't run his routes, if he can't do his job, then yes, I think you do need to send him a message. Uh, because to me, one of the the most notable audio to post game was Mike Thomas. You could you could hear how fed up he is, and you know he's not naming anyone in specific, but you know who the heck he's talking about. Yeah, there's only so many wide receivers on this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and and, and I think Derek has a, has has something to be said for too, like. You know, I, the the thing is, I think you have to make an adjustment in some way. You you, you could either you could say, hey, maybe you go to Jameis. Ryan Fitzpatrick thinks they should. Apparently, that's another thing I, that I learned about that happened on the broadcast that I I you know I heard about secondhand. But you know, I think that that's you you got you have to do something. And I don't think that you change your play caller and your quarterback. I think you have to do one of those things. And I think that this team is going to want to pull that play caller lever first. Um. They're not going to fire Pete. That's not going to happen. Because and I, I don't, don't want to damage the confidence of my $100 million quarterback. I don't think it would. Installing your quarterbacks. Co- oh, you mean by sitting down Derek? Yeah, I wouldn't do that at all. Well, I mean, I think you, you could, I think you could get away with doing one of those two things. You don't want to do, you wouldn't do it both because if, <laughs> right, if, if I got to do an if, if this or that, I'll, I'd take Pete over Smench and Derek. Well, I mean, it's like you're, you you only you change one variable at a time and you see the result of that, right? Like if you change two <laughs> variables, no, see, I mean, that's just common sense. If you change two variables and it works or it doesn't work, then you don't know which variable was successful or unsuccessful. You do one at a time. So if you change the play caller and things improve, then, hey, look, we, we figured things, we, we figured something out. If you change the quarterback and things improve, we figured something out. If you change both, then you don't know what was the what was the impetus there, like what what actually affected that change. So I think that's kind of where you're at is, is I think you do have to do something because it's not working. Now, one other thing that's not working is the first half defense in these games. So like, we're going to talk a lot about offense. I am very disappointed in how this defense has come out each of the Wait, last two weeks. pass rush? Where? See, I, I don't think the pass rush was the issue. Everyone's talking about pass rush and pressures. It's the same thing we saw with Tom Brady last year. Trevor Lawrence had a bum knee. They were protecting him. He was getting the ball out instantly so it's like you don't get zero pressures in a game because he's sitting there holding the ball you get zero pressures in a game because you're not able to get pressures and so the issue wasn't getting pressure on trevor lawrence the issue was stopping trevor lawrence from running and also making tackles in space and so to me i've said this before you've heard me say this this team has a team speed issue on defense particularly on the edges and it's just how you're set up you have these big bulky defensive players and so you get outflanked to the edges of the field and so one of the reasons you can't just pin your ears back and get after trevor lawrence is because you don't have the recovery speed on the edges to get out to jamal agnew to get out to travis Etienne 
So you have to hedge, which which delays the pass rush. And so that's that's kind of where you're at. And so to me, the issues in this game were not Trevor Lawrence having forever in the pocket because he didn't have the ball in the pocket. It was okay, you get the ball to the edge of the field and you cannot catch up to Christian Kirk. You cannot catch up to Jamal Agnew. You cannot catch up to Travis Etienne. And when they got burned, that was it. When they got burned, it was the defense running after a fast guy and having no chance. Um, and so to, to me, that's something you got to figure out. And there's there's only so much you can do. Like one of the reasons that I think they looked at Isaiah Foskey and were like, yeah, this makes sense is because he's more athletic because he is a little uh, a little more speedy on the edges, but he's just not ready right now. And, you know, you're not taking Cam or, or Carl off the field, but, you know, it's it's a problem and it's going to continue to be a problem. And anytime they go up against a team, you know, not everyone has the type of speed that the Jags have at the skill positions. Like they are an elite offense in terms of skill position players. Uh, they I, shut I down mean, Calvin Ridley. Lawrence is a great quarterback. I mean, he wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't say getting rid of that quickly. I mean, I thought that he had plenty of time though, that there wasn't, you know, there was, he never held the ball. <laughs> I got, he threw I, his first read on, on virtually every pass. I mean, go look at how Nick Foles operated. So Trevor Lawrence is basically operating as Nick Foles, like a supercharged Nick Foles. Right. Who I can got run, you. who yeah. can make the throws. Um, who's, you know, I, he's an elite quarterback and he's able to operate at a very high level. And like, he's, he's, he's not only throwing his first read, his first reads wide open, you know? And so they, they effectively had two big plays in the second half of that game. One was on offense and one was on defense and they accounted for 14 points. So even the, their, their banged up offensive line was able to, to hold up in this, uh, because Trevor was getting rid of the ball so quickly. Yeah. So that's what there was no pressure, zero freaking pressure that the defense put on. When did when did they have a chance to get pressure? Like they ran like six plays in the second half. <laughs> like they didn't have the ball in the second half. So when was that pressure coming? I mean, they had two three and outs, and then they had that one drive that started at the Saints forty five, and they scored on the second play of that drive, and it was a quick, you know, hitch inside. Christian, I think it was a slant, actually. Christian Kirk caught it and ran. It wasn't like he stood there in the pocket and surveyed. He threw his first read. And so, like, to me, it's not the pressure. It is the lack of team speed and the lack of ability to to make open field tackles. Yeah, they couldn't corral him. That 26-yard run was just another, you know, knife in the wound of a guy well, that exactly. was coming in with a knee injury. It's not like that was a lack of pressure. That was a lack of contain. Right. Um, and so yeah, I, I don't know, like, yeah, it's easy to look at the sack numbers and the pressure numbers, but you have to ac- account for how quickly the guy's getting the ball out. Uh, and you know, it's, it's an energy thing. It is a, uh, it's, you know, like Pete Werner is supposed to be this very athletic, speedy linebacker. And all I see is him taking bad angles. You know, Tyron Matthew has never been a, a top. Well, I mean, he used to be a top end speed guy. Now he's a, now he's a play with your brain type guy, you know, Demario Davis, was playing with that knee injury. So, you know, I think he was probably a little slower today or yesterday than he than he would typically be. But yeah, I mean, to me, that was the biggest issue. And it's continuing, it's it's been the biggest issue is you're getting outflanked. Like that touchdown run for ETN, that was that was nothing but a, you know, just get to the get to the edge and and outrun them. Jamal Agnew had a play like that. It happened again and again and again. And the Saints just had nothing to do. And it's like, again, it's like if he takes a, if he, they're running the quick game, all you can do is get your hands up and hope you can deflect it. 
So I, I don't know. Like it's something that more teams are going to do because the other issue is because you play so much man coverage. If you do get outflanked to the edge of the field, you could run forever because the cornerbacks are turning their back and running with the receivers. Like Calvin Ridley didn't do anything. Right. Mark shut down. down, but you can only shut down one receiver with Marshawn. You can't shut down multi, you know, you can't have him. Okay. Well this play, you're going to, you're going to shut down Evan Ingram, right? You know, it's like he can only account for one guy at a time. And so, yeah, that's, that's the frustrating thing for me. So, you know, it's, this is not a team that's operating at a high enough level on offense that you can overcome 17 point first halves uh, allowed by the defense news camp. Well, when you're putting up three, 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 you know, right. and then missing a couple threes, you know, along the way too, you know, I think they only missed one in this yeah, game. This, right. I'm, I'm just saying I'm going back through now, like the last two games kind of thing. There was a point that, you know, in, the, in that first half that kind of thing, drink. I looked over to Tyler and I was like, if he, if Blake Groupie misses this 40 yard kick, the Saints like have to start looking for kickers because I mean, <sighs> that's frustrating. And I mean, th- so that's the last thing on my list here is the rookie specialists have officially become a problem, right? Like, you know, the kick in Green Bay, you can you can you can you can explain it away as like, oh well, you know, first ever real pressure kick, right? Outside, it was windy. He he blocked it and and he missed. Last week you have the 52 yarder, you're like, okay, 52 yarder, it's not a it's not a guarantee. You should you should make those, but you can kind of play it off as like, okay, yeah, misses happen, right? I watched the Bills kicker miss multiple 50 yarders a couple like last week. It's you know, you, you you have it's just price of doing business when you ta- when you settle for a long field goal. The twenty nine yarder was unacceptable. Another fifty two yard miss indoors. He almost missed that PAT that they shouldn't have kicked. That they should have gone for two instead. It didn't end up burning them because they made the next two point conversion. But the idea that you don't go for two there should at least inform your decision making the rest of the way after a sixteen play drive where the defense is gassed. Nonsense. <laughs> So, so that's Blake. That's one part of the equation. The next part of the equation is Lou, who actually had a 62-yard punt in this game. He actually had so he had a punt that got muffed because it was so awkward that, that Jamal Agnew and his and his blocker ran into each other, and he had another punt that like hit the ground and, and kicked 20 yards and ended up being a 62-yard kick. But it was only like a 40-yard kick before the roll. But the two kicks that are like, geez. 40 from the from the from the Jags 47 yard line he kicked it to the 18 from the Saints 60 yard line he kicked it to the I'm sorry 60, from the Saints 16 yard line he kicked it to the Jags 45 and that time after watching what happened on the previous kick Jamal Agnew was not letting that freaking ball hit the ground even though it was a short kick he came up at full speed and caught it so that drive starts at the Saints 47 yard line two plays later they're in the end zone you know, like I, I, I didn't, you know, the, the decision at the time to go to the rookie kickers, it felt a little out of left field. It felt like a bold choice and it didn't make a ton of sense. And it's costing you games right now. You know, I, I mean, like, I don't know if they win that. I, I don't know if, you know, even if he booms a 60 yarder and, and they're starting that drive at the 30, I, I don't know if that changes the equation. But, you know, the only thing that he was doing at a high level was was the going in punts, the the kicks that you were taking from, from the 50 yard line and putting them inside the 10 or at least inside the 15, the 18, you might as well kick it in the end zone. <laughs> like, geez, I don't know. That's another thing that's not working. Yeah. And on the the flip side with special teams, you know, you, you look at 
our return return units having I, I thought would be a lot more productive with, with Shahid and all, and it just uh, I've been waiting for that you know to break one kind of thing. I don't think he returned a kick in this game, right? Um, he well, he did he did get hit once, which actually you know it ended up netting them 15 yards on the kick catch interference. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's tough to gauge, you know, because it's like you don't. It, it's hard to really gauge whether it was a good fair catch decision, at least from where I was standing. Like I can't tell you whether it was a good idea or not without seeing kind of the all 22 and where everyone was, but it did seem like, I don't even know the, the Jags punter, but he was putting some good punts out there. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if Rashid is to blame. I do think that it's a smart decision to stop bringing out kicks from your own end zone and getting stopped at the 18 because that was happening way too much. So in that regard, I'm okay with it. The punts, I would have liked to see him be a little more aggressive, especially late in the game. But yeah. Yeah, just uh, something that you thought could be, you know, I I thought could be a factor for this squad really hasn't materialized at all in special teams. And we, you know, going in with the, the rookies at both undrafted rookies at both positions, punter and kicker I expected that but yeah in the return game I don't know I just expected more of a pop and it, it hasn't been awful it, it hasn't I mean in the punt punt game I think Rashid has been fine I think he was you know a little a little a little more conservative in this game but he's like leading the NFL in all-purpose yards so it's not like he's yeah. not putting up yardage um he has a kick return for a touchdown Saints hadn't had one of those since 2020 or 2019 so you know he has been a he has been a factor it just wasn't the case in this game but yeah, I mean, to me, that's the only thing that's really worked um, is Rashid me, you know, and with some punt returns. The Bucks game is another one. I think he had a few nice returns in that game. But yeah, it just feels like that team needs him at least in games right now. I feel like he needs to be one of those factors all the time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the last thing I have in terms of my 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 bitching. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, to to me, just it, things it, we keep talking about a lot of the same things we've said that, and then just uh, it seems to be whether wh- whoever it's, it's been a quarterback from last year into this season, I really haven't seen any progression on the offense, which which is sad to me because you you've got all these pieces back now. Uh, it was nice to see Jamal Williams out there, and 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 the run game to me still, while it, you know it. Alvin, the the dedication to get him the ball, fantastic. But other, overall, for me, the run game just isn't churning out that yardage that I want. Uh, you, you want you got to be in the you know more four point two, four point three per carry range, and that's just not happening. Yeah, the, another thing that's getting pointed out is the fake punt. Which, oh man, that was great call by uh, obviously Jacksonville. No, it wasn't. It was just. Terrible recognition of an obvious fake punt situation by the Saints. No, and just taking advantage of it, right? I mean, like, they're kicking from the 50. You're not getting a return. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're only getting returns when they're trying to kick it. They're trying to flip the field, and you're getting some extra space to work with. You're not getting a return from the 50. There is no even – there isn't even any benefit of doing anything but being safe in that situation. They did it the next time when they actually didn't need to because they were at their own 30. (laughs) It's just, like – that's the type of stuff that's like you're getting out coached. And Darren Rizzi is a very good special teams coach. He's one of the best in the in the in the league. Um, but he got he got out coached right there. Like you can't, what did you think they were gonna do? <laughs> I mean, you think they want a punt? Uh <laughs> that's yeah, it's Mr. Philly special on the other side over there. You know he's got some tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> 
Right. Doug Peterson. And the thing is they left the offense on the field and then they were like, Oh, actually come back over here. Like that didn't give you an indicator that, I mean, they basically just, they, they, they held in front of your face and you, and you just had nothing. All you got to do is be up on that guy. And gosh, anyway, that's, that's the no, last thing opponent trick plays in the dome is never a good sight. God. Um, but all right, let's wrap up that segment. We went for a while. So, uh, you know, and, the, and the, the good thing is the next segment will be short because it's the what went right segment of the of the podcast. But this is Inside Black and Gold. It's over. <laughs> I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Gelly WWL. We're going to go into the what did work segment. And then we're going to have a mailbag in the back end. We have like 200 comments in there already. So this is going to be a bit of an extended break as I try to get a head start on starring uh, some of these questions that we can get to in the in the back half. But thanks, everyone, for being in here. Always appreciate all the engagement and all the viewers and all the listeners and all of that. Yeah. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around.